I know how it is. And if, if you've made a sinful choice, like staying the night at your boyfriend or girlfriend's apartment, please do not rob the missionaries of the spirit by bringing that sin into the MTC. You can make it big, I'll kill you. Is it approved? <laughs> the, hat, the hat approves. I... Did he say pour more? No, he didn't. <laughs> the prison tattoo I should get is... <laughs> Very engorged. <laughs> so my high school dance move was this. You did a good job on that shot. I would like to be Mormon again. I don't like that. It's almost like you added that in to lose. <laughs> Welcome back to my channel. I am Kara Burrell. Sometimes I go by Nuance Ho, and sometimes I invite very special authors, guests, content creators, and amazing humans into my home studio to have a little bit of fun and talk about just how Mormon we used to be. So welcome to the Mormon History Hoedown, Alyssa Grenfell. Thank you so much for having me. And for the record, I'm going to guess I was more Mormon than you. I think, judged <laughs> by those pigtails, you probably were. <laughs> I need to be wrangled in, judged by my t-shirt. So <laughs> maybe familiar with Alyssa from her TikToks, from your Mormon Stories episodes from the last couple of days. Those are fantastic. But what I hope you know Alyssa from is the new book that you have already run to purchase. And it's called How to Leave the Mormon Church, an ex-Mormon's guide to rebuilding after religion. So Alyssa flew into town the last couple of days, did two amazing Mormon Stories episodes. I listened to both of them. They haven't gone back and watched your Mormon Stories episodes. Absolutely. They're fantastic with John and Margie. So if you want to know how to leave the Mormon Church, I mean, subscribe to this channel, obviously. But if you want to know, but if you want to know how to leave the Mormon Church, pick up a copy of this book. And if you want to know what two girls like us, how Mormon were we before we decided to leave the Mormon Church, that is going to be the topic of today's video. So we thought that we would run through all of the ways that me and Alyssa used to be very, very Mormon. Very. very. So we've created a list of about 20 things, uh, how Mormon we used to be, and we are going to play a little bit of a game. So I hope everybody at home can join us and play that game too. So we have 20 items and all of them are kind of the 10, the 20 commandments of Mormon, uh, especially for kids. We have a big long list here. So the game we came up with is we have the list of 20 and then if for whoever was more righteous, they get a point. And if you were less righteous, you get zero points. So the goal is to have as many points as possible. So we'll see who uh, who comes out on top. Well, like again, judging by Lissy's <laughs> pigtails, she probably is going to. I mean, I have, I'm showing my shoulders, though, and you are very modest over there. I could be wearing garments right now. <laughs> Molly, modest Mormon. I, I absolutely could. So today's going to be a little bit a funner, sillier episode because we want to talk about all of the ways that we used to be very Mormon. I'm going to pull out the hat from Satan. Maybe it will have some suggestions of how we could increase our sin that we never banked on <laughs> when we were Mormon and like kind of speed up the process. So that'll be kind of part of the fun game. So at the, long. End, at, the, at the end of the episode, maybe we'll end by drawing a pentagram on the floor mm. with our knives. Yeah, I have a child we could sacrifice. <laughs> I, have... I left mine at home. <laughs> Well, that's your first mistake. It'll be a less is, powerful. Is, that's sacrifice. not in. That's not in the book. You forgot Chapter about. Chapter eleven is child sacrifice. 
if you actually tear out all the pages, it creates a pentagram that you can just lay out. <laughs> you read it backwards. It's uh, the devil's prayer. If you read it backwards, it has a really good recipe for pot brownies. <laughs> well, Alyssa, it's been so fun getting to know you as I set up my new studio and we chit chat as girls do. And um, the book is just so funny. It has different like, you know, literally how to order coffee, things that I would have killed for four years ago. <laughs> so tell people why you wrote this book, what kind of like space you're trying to fulfill. So as I as I left the church, I left the church before most of my friends. And in the in the years after I left, I had a lot of people reach out to me and say when I left the church that or that they were surprised and judgmental and all the things that you expect from an active member. But then when they were leaving, they needed support. And so they reached out to me and a lot of them had really similar questions like how to navigate mixed faith marriages, how to get comfortable and not feel guilty when trying their first glass of wine. Um, and just I saw a very similar pattern um, on the way out that people were going through. And two, I think there's a lot of ex-Mormon podcasts. And I, when I left the church, was binging podcasts, binging as much content as I could find. But I would often have really specific questions about like how to order coffee. Yeah, like how to order coffee. And potentially I'm, I might be able to find a really old Reddit post or there, there might be some things you could still find online, but I felt like I needed not just long form podcast content, but to be able to go to a really particular source and have a really particular question about one aspect of what it's like to leave the church. And so that's why I wrote this guide, which is not meant to be, you know, read this book cover to cover, but meant to be, hey, I'm going to go and have this very particular question. And I tried to really concertedly cover any topic you might have a question about at least in a very basic form you know maybe at least a paragraph or two uh dedicated towards all these different topics so that as people were going through their exit out of the church and having all of these same questions that i think people have there's a way for them to access information too that's in a in a kind of impartial or safe space like a book is not going to judge you it's just encouraging people to really get an education and not telling them what to do like the church would like so much of us want to have a prescriptive guide of how to live our life what's moral what we should and shouldn't do and this wild wild west that we live in in ex-mormonism and or any high demand religion i think this book is also clearly for anybody um but i think wouldn't, wouldn't you say a lot of the theme is like learn get educated um, take the power back into your own hands. My ultimate goal is for people to so healthy and fulfilled and just out experiencing the world on its own terms that this book becomes irrelevant and that uh, they no longer need any of these, any content or anything uh, to, to be able to kind of cope with life or to ask questions that they're fully ready to move forward into this beautiful new life that they've discovered for themselves with cups of coffee that they have ordered very confidently but yeah. you you don't have to try coffee you don't have to try anything as yeah so much of you know ex-mormonism is trying different things like we're going to be doing today i have a whole host of sins that we're going to just be um parading ourselves from one to the other like a big buffet i have a whole <laughs> prop lined up just get ready i giggle just thinking about it so uh but i love so much of what you said in your Mormon Stories interview about like, you know, John and Margie haven't tried these things. A lot of people haven't tried substances or like a, a million different things. But at least I think 
what you talked about, not operating from a place of fear and like kind of, you know, questioning where does that come up for me and why is it there? And then what do I really think about it? So I think you're a fantastic author and just speaker on all of these things. I hope that you stay in the experiment space forever and ever. So please go support Alyssa's channel too and her TikTok, YouTube, and anything else that she does in the future and pick up this book. Now let's move into the, the game. game. The game music will go. Hannah Stoddard said that Joseph Smith didn't write the Book of Mormon from looking in a hat and she was wrong. Unfortunately, Mormonism, it's not a true thing. And one way that we know that is because Joseph Smith, instead of running his hands over the golden plates and actually translating this ancient record of reformed Egyptian, instead, he just got his old hat from his treasure digging days, his folk magic days, placed his head in that hat. And apparently on the stone that was in there, he was able to talk, come up with this story of Moroni and Nephi and Ammon and write a very compelling (laughs) book. So what I like to do is I, if apparently according to some who don't believe that Joseph Smith did that, like Hannah Stoddard, Rod Meldrum, the faction of Tim Ballard people over there, um, they say that this is actually a tool for Satan. So in special occasions with Alyssa over here, I like to pull out my tool for Satan as an agent for Satan. We could do 10 and 10, five, 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 five. Yeah. All right. Perfect. Okay. So Alyssa hit me with the first one. Okay. Dazzle me. So this is probably, this, this might be a, we're both probably going to be able to hit this one. Were you baptized at eight? Yes. I was also baptized at eight. Did you have any feelings of guilt the day of? Did you have to talk about the law of chastity with your bishop? And I think I, I feel like I have a memory of my bishop, whether it was at eight or 12, explaining the law of chastity to me because I don't think my parents had explained it to me yet. Mm, gross. But I don't remember a whole lot from my baptism. I think it's just like a special day that's like your birthday on top of mm, something else happening and you get a little bit extra attention. And overall, you just feel like it's not really a choice. Now that looking back about what you're actually entering into, because they say like this is you becoming a – Yeah, and like you're officially becoming a member of the church and the bishop will invite you up and say like the newest member of the ward. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, and then you go up and you're like – who me and you get like a little spotlight what do you remember from your baptism i asked my mom if uh it's like mom should i like it seems like you it's better to die at seven than to risk being sinful at eight because i remember so many stories about how kids under eight go straight to the celestial kingdom when they die because they never sinned and so i always felt like those kids were lucky because they never had to deal with this thinning aspect of life they just go straight to heaven so you know i i i asked my mom really concerned should, should i i mean isn't it better to die and she was like no you're supposed to grow you know of course the mom's not gonna say you should die but i do think the logic holds up that uh if you if you can risk damnation or the mormon version i know we don't believe in hell but the mormon version of damnation by becoming eight years old it just didn't seem worth the risk to me. So I felt like I was semi-suicidal, but in a kid way, not in a like in an adult way. I was just like, let's have another party for me. <laughs> and also there's something about Jesus in here. Okay. All right. Question two. Okay. All right. We're even on that one. Yeah, we're even. So but we're even. you were more ready to 
die because you took the covenant <laughs> so seriously. So I think you the think scale tips on that one, but okay, all right, okay. that one's I'll take it. So you you take that so point. So Alyssa righteousness index one. I had to get more suicidal child thoughts. <laughs> Damn, that's on you. Did you ever watch an R-rated movie as a active Mormon? Absolutely. I always I'm like a comedian since I was a child and I feel like my parents since I was the youngest the rules were a little bit more relaxed but my oldest brother though he wanted to watch our R-rated movie when he was 12 and my parents said the only way we'll let you do that is we're going to take you out to a restaurant and you have to eat the biggest salad on the menu and then you can eat it. Then, then you can watch an R-rated movie. How, and that How does that make- to cleanse your system? My before? parents are like really, like I don't <laughs> know, kind of hippie with tracks. My parents are like really hippie with ha- their health. Like I never grew up with white bread in the house, and I had to eat like carob instead of chocolate. It's a whole thing. You should have, you know, that on the list because my, I mean, my mom was pretty healthy, but we could have white bread. Never <laughs> sin of all sins. So it was like you have to do something and put a ton of vitamins in your body. But I had a I had a lot of favorite R-rated movies growing up. But what about you? Um, I snuck one R-rated movie. Did we put on the list? Did we? Did you watch porn? Is that on the list? Um, we have something about masturbation on the list, but nothing about porn. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know if I want to answer this question. <laughs> so my biggest confession will be the following. Okay. But there was a website that had like the scenes of love making on a website from, once like from movies oh interesting okay and i remember it's burned into my memory there's this movie called the sleeping Dic- the sleeping dictionary i think with jessica alba which i found out she does have a body double in okay. and it was oh that is rated r okay. it was seared into my memory i'll put it that way those are some and i watched only people. the bad scenes from a lot of movies one night and then immediately went and vomited as you do was it a curiosity watching or was it a engaging watching (laughs) it was a curiosity watching it was i think when you're mormon sometimes you get sucked in and you are just in a vortex and it's like a choreography vortex (laughs) is anyone related to that like literally like i'm not gonna be touching myself or something it's like i'm literally just like yeah because you know the second that it you stop watching that you're going to feel immediately guilty. So you're just like, your brain cannot physically It's like handle. your eyes are glued and you're just like, I can't, <gasps> I can't stop looking away. This is, it's almost like watching the dumpster fire. It's not like a desire, you know, it's not like you are getting off on it. Yeah. You're just like, what is this It's because it's realm? too shocking yeah. in a way. Yeah. yeah. I relate to that. Okay. Well, so I think I win <laughs> that one. I guess. So you're two for two. Two for two. I wonder if this game, I'm just going to (laughs) win. Did you drink caffeine as a kid? Like sodas? Yes. Um, Were you permitted to drink? I was permitted to drink that, but not for those caffeine reasons, but because my parents were like Mormon hippies who didn't allow any kind of sugar or anything. You didn't. I wasn't allowed to drink like soda, but I still would if it was available at my friend's houses. So I was allowed to drink caffeine after Mitt Romney. Remember Mitt Romney was uh-huh. photographed with like Coke, Coca-Cola, not cocaine. 
And after that, the church came out and said caffeine is okay. Because previous to that, a lot of members wouldn't drink caffeine because they had never had a, a firm stance on it, mm-hmm. caffeine and sodas. So I was, I was not, I could have soda with caffeine in it after Mitt Romney, the Mitt Romney gate. Wow. That is so fascinating. <laughs> like a prophet in and of himself. Yeah. So maybe I think then probably you would win that one. Because it sounds like it was more of a restriction for you. Yeah, I, it was about the health code, really. My parents were really strict on the it word of wisdom like on the health part of it. Salad before an R-rated movie <laughs> is hilarious. Yeah, that's like were my family was instances of eating healthy food before doing undesirable things. <laughs> my family was. Did just... your family like essential oils? Uh, yeah, for sure. It sounds sure. like an essential oils family. My mom was a massage therapist, so. See, this is this is how we differ in our brands of Mormonism, because my my mom was not an essential oils mom. But I feel like that brand of health code Mormonism. Did you guys have restrictions around meat? Yes. So almost everyone in my family was a vegan or a vegetarian at some point. So I was a vegetarian for 11 years of my life from like fourth grade till when I got married. And we didn't eat pork. That was more of like a pro-Jew Zionism thing. I don't know. Okay. Talked about that in my other videos with my friend Lindsay that like Jewish people have that one right. That's the higher loss. Like we didn't eat pork very much, I think. My husband doesn't eat pork, but he just doesn't like the taste. Well. But maybe he's a Maybe he has other fine qualities, but gotta love bacon. I love bacon. Okay, so I think you win that one because I think you were keeping more to the spirit of the law, which is the Of the word of wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. Did you date or pair off with someone before you turned 16? Absolutely not. I I made out with boys a little bit with my little boyfriends here and there. Okay. I played truth or dare with my, I was like a little tomboy. So I kissed boys, but absolutely not. And I was, that a was a very ugly child. Do you, <laughs> do you, did, was it a personal choice to do that? Or do you feel like that was because your parents were really pushing that on you? I would have loved if somebody was interested in me at any age to date me. So I would have done anything for (laughs) male validation. It just, nobody was barking up my tree. Okay. I had a whole way to, I had a a window in my childhood bedroom where I could get out onto the roof and run away to my friend's houses. So I could have really got up to some trouble if the offer was made, but it was never presented so it was the ones you made out with so it sounds like it was presented somewhat occasionally yeah but i think my parents knew that that that's not going anywhere (laughs) like if you'll have her (laughs) yeah yeah okay what about you um i did not pair off before i was 16 and i did not date any so i didn't kiss or date anyone before i was 16 but then when i was 16 i had a semi-serious boyfriend but not that serious because like in mormonism you're not really supposed to you're supposed to do group dates at 16 pair off at 18 right yeah okay so yeah i did pair off a little bit i did group dates with people who i was just like will you please go to prom with me i'll pay (laughs) if you just kidding (laughs) i went to like a couple dances in high school but yeah the the rules within mormonism are usually like don't even get don't let boys ask you out to dances yeah don't so do anything like that until the you're guy, 16 the guy I dated was um the state president's son so 
<laughs> my mom for sure would have said you're not allowed to date anyone seriously but my mom was always very like oh here's the exception to the rule because he's ordained within you know I definitely was permitted to date him purely because he was the state president's son nothing to do with him as a person but just because he checked the little like special box Mm, that's where so i think you win that one. In. Oh yeah i win it i was just there's so many boys so i was like i'm pure. too righteous not for any stake president's son not for the prophet's grandson the prophet's grandson wasn't great, my word too and definitely not for him jacob ran for utah county clerk trying to <laughs> make gay people not be allowed to marry on his platform still mad about that anyway <laughs> definitely would have dated anybody who um, wanted to have homophobic platforms in their future, <laughs> regardless. I was open to anything, okay. but it was, um, truth be told, I have a little bit of like trauma in my past. Let's not get the, let's not make this a downer episode. I think generally I was like, I don't even want to think about a lot of stuff about boys because I have like a righteous priesthood holder that's not a lame high schooler. Like I needed a mature man. I was like, I want to wait till I get out of high school to really put my emotions and like be in sexual situations hypothetically um with somebody who is like a righteous priesthood holder who will like respect me and i know that sounds like a contradictory thing but we all have married a lot of really all all of us all two of us in this room have all married men in the temple who were righteous priesthood (laughs) holders who have left the church with us and they are good guys you know that's what i meant is like i needed somebody who was a really good guy who's gonna treat me really well and so i i didn't pair off until I was 19. I kind of needed to get out of the space where there's just a bunch of high school boys that I didn't trust. So I, I was super naive as a Mormon kid. No shocker there. But um, so this is my first dating experience, right? And I'm making out with this guy. Does he look like this? Can you imagine it now? <laughs> uh, and, you know, just kissing. And very suddenly I hear uh, that he makes this grunting noise. And oh. uh, he pulls away very suddenly and grabs a blanket from the couch next to him and looks at me and says, I think you need to go. So he grabs the blanket, puts it over his uh, waist and says, you need to go. And I, as, you know, a 16, 17 year old, I'm just like, did I, did I offend you? Am I a bad kisser? What? You know, this is the first time this has ever happened. And he walks me upstairs this is totally out of the blue for me uh still holding the blanket and almost pushes me out of the door and shuts the door behind me and i was like what happened and i it took me more than a year it took me a long time to to realize that he had obviously had a moment of lack of control (laughs) and uh that he just was like please get out of here because i need to clean up Mm-hmm. you know and it was i you know i don't even know what to make of that story now besides that it's just funny <laughs> and that i wonder what he makes of it somewhere off in the ether um i'm sure it's embarrassing but as a mormon girl you're you know i think it's smart for you to be like i'm gonna hold off on that because i think as a 16 17 year old i was just very naive you know so it's kind of funny now in hindsight and for you prepubescent boys out there for you pubescent boys out there i guess it happens 
seems like it's probably somewhat normal. Mm-hmm. But as a young woman girl, I was definitely taken aback. I would have been riding a high for years <laughs> if that was me. And then like, I don't even need to date again. I've won. Uh, you win. So um, not just because of the group dating pairing off thing, but it sounds like you're just generally much more virtuous and uh, to boys. Okay. So that was five. Is it time to send yet? Uh, we have one final competition or one final point okay. to discuss. So I get zero points on that one. And you get one point. So, so far, we are two for two. This will be the tiebreaker. Okay. Were you married in the temple? Yes. Were you married in the temple? I was married in the temple. But how old were you? So the younger that you are, the more you win. And I win this one. You do. But I didn't get married in the temple because I was serving a mission. Oh, no. <laughs> judges. We need the judges. Tiebreaker. Okay. How are we going to, to I decide? Think how much you loved your temple wedding is how we decide. Were you like, I love that I'm wearing the temple robe during my ceremony and I love the patriarchal grip? Or were you like... This is weird, and it's not my favorite part of my very special wedding day. I definitely was super uncomfortable and was like, just get this over with, because I was so in love with my husband. I just was like, whatever I have to do to get married, Mm -hmm. to get to the pinnacle of success, of being able to start our lives, be married, live together, have intimate relationships and all of that. I was just only really thinking about how okay, I got to power through this and this is what I got to do. This is what I got to do. But I do you have siblings. Yes. Uh, are you younger or young on the younger? Scale? I'm the youngest of all. Of my okay. Siblings, yeah. So maybe we can decide by how righteous not just we were, but how righteous our family was. So of your siblings, how many were able to attend your wedding? Mm, uh, two. Okay. Damn it. I also had two, two out of five. Two out of judges. Three. So a higher percentage of my family was able to be there. <laughs> oh, so you are more righteous. Here, I know <laughs> something about you though from listening to your Mormon Stories interview. Where didn't you say that you were really uncomfortable with the way that women had to covenant to their husbands yes. as God covenants I, to so God? I think and I didn't have a problem with that. I think I hated I hated my temple wedding more than you hated yours. <laughs> I specifically was rushed on my wedding a lot, and that really bothered me. Rushed how? Like, the temple workers were coming in and saying, we've got another bride coming in a few minutes. We need you to hurry up and have your family leave this room because we need the room. And I just really wanted to explode on that person because the idea that you would be rushed and made to feel like you're a burden on your own wedding day within the ridiculous. temple is ridiculous. However... I, on my wedding day, ha- I was able to wear my wedding dress in for the ceremony because sometimes if you have sequins or different things, like you can't wear it. So I was able to wear mine. They, I had to put sleeve inserts into my wedding gown and they were like this, it was like this bright white silvery, like reflective. It was the most hideous sleeve inserts I had to wear and it was all frumpy and I felt hideous hideous in my wedding dress with this mm. stupid it was like i'm sure it made you and it was small like- and it went like to there and i was like it's not even going to my wrist like it's supposed to and then as soon as i saw my husband it was like a movie and i was just like started crying and oh. we were so in love and we were like outside the celestial room and the sealer came over and he was like we were just beaming we were smiling so big 
getting ready to like walk into everyone into the sailing room and he's like i have never seen a couple smile so much before their wedding and i was like it's true we are like really excited to get married and bone and (laughs) so i was I, i all of the things about the wedding were all on the sidelines and i didn't care about anything except for just like me and aaron we were so in love i feel like i feel like you win more I feel like you were more righteous. You're more, you're more like covenanted. We didn't say how far we went before we got married. <laughs> well, that's another point. Is that is that yeah, a different one? That's a different point. So okay, stay that's tuned. From the temple wedding, <laughs> so um, I was willing to just do whatever because in my Mormon stories episode with John, the first one that I did, he asked me. He's like, "Did you feel uncomfortable about like the covenanting to your husband?" And I literally said to him, "I was like." No, you know what? Like, I was like an anti-feminist up until a couple of years ago. So, like, mostly my brain went like, um, my husband doesn't have the power to like tell me what to do as soon as he's not like in line with covenants with God. So, tee hee ha ha ha. Like, it's all canceled out. So, like, it didn't really bother me. Now, as a ex Mormon, I can see the discrepancy. (laughs) But like, anything that was really a problem with the temple. I was willing to just be like, yeah, whatever they say, that's the way that it's supposed to be. I got to get on board with it. Did it bother you? Because it really bothered me that I had to tell my new name to my husband, but he didn't tell his name to me. That got under my skin. No, because my new name was Rachel and I was like, God loves me. He gave me the name from the most beautiful character on Friends. (laughs) So I felt very blessed. Mine was Ada, which I liked. Alyssa, Ada, Ada, Alyssa, the A's that, so that felt inspired. I think, I, I think I would, I would go more towards you because it seems like you are more comfortable with the covenants and more comfortable with the ceremony. Oh, I got I got I got an easy way. Okay. Yeah, exactly. I think the way is who was more on a scale of one to 10, who was more of a feminist on their wedding day? Me or you? Me. (laughs) Okay. Let's say, let's settle it this way on the count of three. On a scale of one to ten, how uncomfortable were you about the temple ceremony? Ten being very uncomfortable, zero one. The endowment, the temple ceremony, the temple wedding, like the, you know, how uncomfortable as it was happening. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So we'll say on the count of three. On a scale of one to ten, how uncomfortable? Like the day of your wedding, you're like sitting with a patriarchal grip, uh, you know, in your temple clothes. Can we kneel and try to recreate it? <laughs> so far away. <laughs> uh. How uncomfortable are you? So, and this is, you know, putting yourself back in the mind of a very believing member. And uh, not trying to be like, now I'm uncomfortable and, and not, I wish yeah, that I yeah. was able to trying do something to totally different. Back. I'm going to, are you doing to say on count of three? Yeah. Okay. One, two, three, four. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was crying the entire time. I was so in love with my husband. So I'm like, nothing made me uncomfortable. I was just like, high on love okay so so i I, you were more anxious okay so that means that so far you have three righteousness points and i have two righteousness points so that's the fifth one so now i'm going to look into the hat and it's going to tell us um what sin i have to do next as an agent of satan this hat and me we work together very very well Mm. it says take a shot of five husbands vodka with Matt Easton and a bunch of other um, drag queens and various gay people on the cover of it. So it's kind of 
it's it's more sinful than your average vodka can yeah. really get. And I really hate alcohol more than your average ex-Mormon does. Really? So I'm not oh. happy about this. The hat is it it wants me to be miserable like unto itself. So this isn't like <laughs> a good thing here. I if you make it big, I'll kill you. Perfect. Is it approved? <laughs> the hat the hat approves. I, I, Did he say pour more? No, he didn't. <laughs> Love how you're assigning a gender to a hat. <laughs> he has masculine energy. <laughs> Bossy. Yeah. I don't know. Could be kind of like a boss babe bitch of a hat too. I'm drinking this with a chaser out of my very own Nuanto uh, Borman uh, History Hoedown mug. Get yours now. Drink, 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 drink. You did a good job on that shot. I would like to be Mormon again. <laughs> I don't like that. Oh, all right. Next. <laughs> what if you drink f- four shots? What if you're the most righteous every time? Uh, I didn't know that my previous righteousness would come with future alcohol poisoning, <laughs> but that is kind of the way that it usually plays out. So, <laughs> like your book says, just get educated, and we're just gonna have to slow down how much we go through this. And I can only metabolize a shot an hour, so we should have to speak. We have to take a, a very long break. <laughs> the next question is: This is number six. Did you have sex before you were married? No, not because I was scared of boys necessarily, not because I didn't want to, uh, mostly because I just wanted to be better than other people. How about you? (laughs) Did you have anything almost like sex with your husband before you got married? No, I think we were, I think we were pretty good. Um, It's hard talking about this stuff in hindsight (laughs) because you wouldn't want to shame like what you did do or like, you know, people who didn't do those things. But like at the time. I was really committed to getting married in the temple and because of the past that I had, I was really specific about who I shared my body with, even though I wanted to experience those things. I was really, really careful about what I did and who I shared my body with, but my husband and I, our entire engagement, neither of us really had jobs, got married as quickly as we could. And we literally just like, I lived at his mom's house. We lived in different bedrooms and we just spent every day together talking about what we wanted to do in the future <laughs> and like nothing was taboo and so we you spent, talked about it yeah we talked about a lot of stuff we got each other's emotions aroused we made out a lot and we laid on top of each other so we <laughs> never did anything where like we touched any parts of each other's bodies or anything like that and there was only one time where the conversation ended up with me needing to go take a moment in a casino bathroom while we were on a road trip needing to go to the bathroom take care of in a casino bathroom and him wondering why it took a half an hour and me wondering why it took a half an hour too (laughs) i wasn't i the the lighting the ambiance was not what i I was used to yeah so that's that's the most risky of a behavior i engaged in what about you um yeah so I also did not have sex before my wedding which I was very proud of I was I remember I I did have because I didn't live in Utah growing up um and so I had a lot of non-member friends who I would chat with about these sort of sorts of things and I remember they called me a unicorn because at 23 I had 
still never experienced sexual relations uh, and they were always very impressed but also not impressed <laughs> by my lack of experience um so yeah i did not have uh sex before my wedding we kind of similarly had like conversations or there were like moments where we were like huh, no we have to wait especially in the like the week before our wedding things got a little hot and heavy um but never always close on you know it was we we kept it pretty pg you know but then of course the church says your <laughs> the guidance from the church is you're not supposed to kiss your significant other pre-marriage uh in, unless you would kiss them like that in front of your parents which when you're 15 or i guess when you're older than you know 15 grow you know growing up from 12 you consider that only kiss the opposite sex how you would kiss them in front of your parents so when you're picturing that as a kid you're like i wouldn't kiss anyone in front of my parents yeah there's literally <laughs> a book i made a tiktok about that of like make it a sexless kiss is what yes. the leaders say yeah. like from a father to a daughter or a mother to a son and i'm like nobody's doing that <laughs> Not the, even the most righteous. Forehead kisses, I guess. Yeah, butterfly kisses. That's my dad's <laughs> favorite song. I just thought I'd add that in. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, give him butter. My husband butterfly kisses. My favorite after bedtime line, prayer. My favorite line from butterfly kisses. I'm only gonna. So there's several verses, right? And in the verse about her wedding, she's like, uh, "The dad, I think, says, I'm only gonna kiss you on the cheek this time.'" And you just are like, "So you've been kissing her on the mouth." <laughs> this whole time until her wedding day and now you're just gonna kiss her on the not on the mouth i mean that's a lot for a dad to be kissing her to his daughter on the mouth i'm gonna have a conversation with my father about his favorite song <laughs> now at the end, anyway. reference that line with him just so that he can consider the implications mm -hmm. um butterfly kisses time. drinks and karaoke go hand in hand don't you guys know little white flowers <laughs> I could talk endlessly about what I did and didn't do before I was <laughs> married because it was a whole minefield well, that I living under the same roof sounds very difficult because once everybody's in bed, you're like, nope, 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 because I was because there's a lot of there's twice where my husband and I went because he was a comedian. And so we traveled sometimes while we were dating to different comedy shows. There's a couple times where we were on road trips. And one of them, we were in Mesquite. One of them, we were in Idaho. And then the rest of the time we were together, we were at his parents' house, but sleeping in different bedrooms. And we never fell asleep in the same bed together ever was like one of our rules. And I was like, absolutely. I have not worked this hard in my entire life to like control this for me to like lose my virginity in Mesquite <laughs> in like a one-star hotel. So it was more just like a, not this way, yeah, not, this not, not how, how I imagine yeah, it. I can really relate with that. And it's so, so funny that you say we're not going to fall asleep in the same bed because, Oh, that reminded me of me and my husband. So my, we obviously lived in two different, you know, apartments, but I would go, you know, as you do, I would go over to his apartment and we'd be watching a movie and it would be late and we we would never have sex, but we definitely fall asleep in the same bed. And at that time, I was working at the MTC, so I'd like be staying the night at my boyfriend's apartment, mm -hmm. totally PG, but just sleeping next to each other, and then going to the MTC in the morning and just feeling so guilty. 
and I remember this one MTC con like we'd have these training conferences where they have a leader come and talk to everybody and he was like if you've I know how it is and if if you've made a sinful choice like staying the night at your boyfriend or girlfriend's apartment please do not rob the missionaries of the spirit by bringing that sin into the MTC and I remember just being like whoa and I, I, you know, when you're Mormon, you think people really can perceive that you've sinned. Totally. And he would look at me and I, I just had this, this spooky sense that he could tell that that same night before I had stayed the night at my boyfriend's apartment, even though we hadn't done anything, we just watched a movie and then fallen asleep. But, oh, my spidey senses were tingling. But then, you know, but then even if you think that they perceive that you've done something, they never pull you aside because they don't perceive you've done anything. They just give you the eyes and yeah. assume that if you have, you'll come forward. That's funny. That reminds me of my husband's late mother is she had such a beautiful soul and I, I love her so much. And there was a time where my husband and I were like laying on, he was laying on top of me on our big like love sack. We still have it. And she did, she wanted to say something because like, like, if you're going to make out, you got to lay on top of each other. Like, you're not going to just side to side. It's just, that's boring. So it's like, you're we just most of my engagement for three months, we got engaged on September 7th and married on December 18th. So that entire, like, three months, we were just in horizontal position for most of the time talking and making out and talking and making out and just all of those things. I got married in December 19th. Oh my gosh. Similar anniversaries. Patriarchal grip to you, sweetheart. <laughs> and his his mother-in-law, or sorry, my mother-in-law walked in and saw us laying on top of each other in the love sack. And she wanted to say something very indirectly, as a sweetheart does. And she goes, Um, honey, Aaron, uh, you're squishing her. <laughs> and we're like, okay, we get the point. All right. She looks a little flattened. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not flattened. I'm very much. Filled with blood. <laughs> Very engorged. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know how we're going to solve this. All right. So who... What about... Okay. We'll do, we can do it because we're pretty similar. We'll do it the same with the temple wedding. Um, we Maybe we could say on the count of three how badly you wanted to break the rules over in the month before your wedding. Oh, like how close! A thousand out of ten. <laughs> I literally talk about it in like terms of trauma. Like it felt like, like felt how, like somebody died like, in my family when I think about it. It was so painful. How close you were to breaking them? Like in your, I own, never would have though. In your brain, like how close you were to just being like, let's just go. For I don't know. It's 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 it a paradox a because it, it was a thousand out of ten how much we wanted to, but it was a zero percent chance that I would have done anything. Because I was so... Then I think I'm closer. Because I would rate myself like a two or three. Like I was like, if... I think I was closer to letting it happen. Okay. More righteous Kara. Ding, 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 ding. You're going to take another shot though. (laughs) Okay. Can can this video and me being able to run the switcher board here in my new studio, can this professional podcast continue (laughs) with my previous righteousness being called into the circle now be combated with alcohol it's just it seems like a lot it seems like i should have been more sinful if i wanted to run an ex-mormon podcast 
professionally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so far you are winning, which is surprising because I was, I mean, you said I had pigtails that, which meant I was going to win. So yeah, you walk in with pigtails like that and it's like, well, all right. Uh, Anna Green Gables, <laughs> did you bring me some jam as you jam and white bread? Cause you need more white bread. Yeah. Here, apparently. Um, Okay, did you, this is number seven, did you wear a bikini as a Mormon youth? I want to hear your answer first. Why? Does that change your answer? No, because I've been answering all of these first. Okay, that's fair enough. Um, I never wore a bikini till I left the church. And even after I left the church, I wore one piece out of comfort reasons for maybe two or three years after I left the church. I was very, I, I was very, you know, anti-bikini. It made me. It was very, I don't think I, it wasn't, I wanted to wear a bikini, but I think I was very intimidated by it for a really long time. What about it? Just that much showing skin? skin. It does feel skin. like you're wearing your underwear outside at first. A little bit, yeah. And then you're like, good, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yeah, I think it was the stigma and I think it was, it was feeling not comfortable in my own body for sure. It's like a lack of confidence. Like after I left, it was, I was done with the. Ta- like this is a sin but i was still the i'm not comfortable in my own skin was that messages from like mormonism that you still had to kind of deconstruct about like your purity and things like that yeah i think so and i think i just don't like creepy dudes yeah you are giving a lot of people kind of a free show sometimes <laughs> yeah. like especially if you just go to a random pool you're like it's you have to make the choice between i'm doing this for me because i like wearing this versus like other people are going to take this and run with it. So I have to just be okay with that being a reality of me choosing to wear this. That's how I feel as well. I'm like, people are going to, it's actually kind of a fun aspect of deconstruction to wear bikini in public because like, I know you talked about in your Mormon stories episode about how like, you know, you're conditioned to think that men can't control themselves or whatever. And I'm like, there is an aspect of like, I know men are going to have some sexual thoughts about me, but like, not my problem and I'm going to wear what I feel comfortable in. And mostly I just really want to tan the most parts of my skin. <laughs> I want to do, I want to get some skin cancer as quickly as possible. So amen to that. I also will say, I think that when other women are more comfortable in their skin, like when other women wear bikinis, it makes it feel more like you have permission to wear bikinis. Like when we went to Spain uh, on vacation Everyone there wears string bikinis, even 80-year-old women. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of women are topless at the beach. And it's so normalized that even, you know, there's no age at which women start covering up. You know, you'll see a 20-year-old with no, you know, topless 20-year-old, topless 30-year-old, topless 40-year-old, topless 80-year-old. It's just like the female body is so normalized that everyone gets to dress like that because it's no longer sexualized in the mm-hmm. same way. and it, I think that that's also why I like to wear bikinis or wear tank tops or whatever, because I think when you see other women doing it and feeling safe to do it, it kind of gives you permission to do it yourself. Yeah. And it's kind of like your chapter that you explained in the book about how Britney Spears, she is wearing this type of clothing and she is perceived in this way. If I dress in that kind of way, I'm perceived that way. Yeah. Yeah. Explain that a little bit more. Yeah. I think, um, and that's why I love, I really love listening to, you know, Doja Cat. She, I'm a big fan. Cardi B, uh, Nicki Minaj, um, all of these women who 
have um, high heels on their tippies. Yeah. Dolce and Gabbani like, on their titties. Right? I'm going to shove my sexiness in your fucking face. <laughs> like uh, the Anaconda music video. I remember the, I don't know if you've mm. ever seen that. The first time I watched that as a kid, I was like, turned off, you know, pretty quickly. Um, but I, I think sometimes women owning their own bodies and saying, I'm going to dress like this uh, and feel free to save this video. Feel free to be disgusted by this video. Do whatever you want with it, but I'm going to do this is very empowering. Whether, you know, I do those things or not, when I'm on a run and I see another woman running in a sports bra, I feel more like, oh, I can run a sports bra too, because it makes it so that the female body is just, just like men, just a body. Yeah. I absolutely learned that lesson when I was 19. I had a very transformative summer where I like didn't really go to college. I went to UVU for a year, but I didn't have any kind of typical like living with roommates experience. I just graduated high school, was nannying, lived at home, went off for this summer to go work at this camp in uh, Western Massachusetts. It had a summer where I was able to live around people from all over the world, different counselors and stuff. And that was the summer where I did a lot of non-Mormon things for the first time. <laughs> and um, I bought a bikini like a month before to go on a road trip with my friends to California before I went to this camp and we all bought bikinis and we're like, let's wear bikinis when we go to California. And we're like, yeah. And we all went on the Delia's website together and like the BYU library and <laughs> bought it. And, Amazing. and then my, one of my friends was like having second thoughts. She's like, no, it's still a sin, even if it's fun. And I was like, you're <laughs> right. And so we didn't wear oh, bikinis. Okay. And, but I brought it to camp because I was like, I know I shouldn't wear it, but I probably am going to want to. And then for the first couple of weeks, everyone around me, all these other girls, all these other counselors, I was just stuck at like a sore Mormon thumb. Of like you had the one thing. I had, I didn't do anything. Like the first time I went inside the lake, I had like big old board shorts on, you know? Aww. And then my friends were, I was like, you know, I have a bikini. They're like, get it out, get it out already, <laughs> you know? And then the rest of the summer, all bets were off for me. And then I pretty much only wore a bikini top. I didn't even wear clothes the rest of summer. It's so hot and humid. <laughs> so I only wore a bikini top and short, short, short shorts. Congratulations to me for being more righteous than you. Because you never wore a bikini, but I did. That yeah. one summer got me. <laughs> that one summer. So sorry about Camp that. Camp Ramaka. Mm -hmm. All of the other following things I think you're going to ask are all going to be like that summer when I was 19 at camp. I did. <laughs> I did all the sinning. I got it all packed into two months. Did you get a, okay, the next one, number eight is, did you ever get any other piercings besides the two? Nope. I am absolutely unpierced. Still right now? Yeah. Not a single piercing. Actually, just kidding. I sorry, I do have regular earrings that I okay, got when I was eight, okay. but I I never really wear earrings, so I'm gonna. They're basically right. like sealed over, so <laughs> no tattoos, no piercings for me. Okay, I I didn't get a second piercing till I left, so but I also wasn't allowed to get my these ones pierced till I was twelve. Oh, because I got them pierced when I was eight. So that seems sinful to me. Was there ever any guidance around when you were supposed to be able to get a piercing? Given? As soon as you got the Holy Ghost, then that pierces your soul. Then you get to have a <laughs> symbolism of Christ on your ears. The sure sign of the nail. Yeah. Um, just, just piercing you to the cross. Because my mom always made it sound like the rule was 12. But now I'm second guessing that maybe she just was saying making that up. I am going to hypothetically say... 
all rules are arbitrary and made up by somebody. <laughs> no, anyway. Well, what do you think? I think the fact that you have piercings now means that it was on your mind for so much longer when it was absolutely out of, not on my mind at all. That's true. I always wanted a lot of piercings and tattoos. So I'll take it. I'll, I'll take the win. The next one is not necessarily a Mormon commandment, but is very common within Mormon culture. And it is, did you marry your first serious boyfriend? Yes. No, I did not. So, which I don't know how we're categorizing serious boyfriends. My boyfriend in high school that I already referenced, the stake president's son. He <laughs> gotta keep shoving that in my face. My first serious boyfriend that I married was a stand-up comedian. So, like in terms of Mormonism, that's like the low somebody who Whoa. came home early from his mission, service stateside. Did he really? Did he really so yeah, home? like this my is bottom of the barrel in terms of Mormonism. Oh, so foreign. But I serve stateside. So he, he, he married down. He married down. <laughs> Ouch. Want, want for him. Yep. Um. Okay. How long did you date him? You you kind of already said that, didn't you? I always love to go over the dates. I love specificity. I met him <laughs> May 2008 at a comedy club. So in a place of sin, technically. I didn't meet him in a very holy they, environment. Did they serve drinks in that comedy club? Oh, big time. So I was in a I was oh. in a Sodom and Gomorrah environment, first of all, but I could tell he was a Mormon. I was Mormon, so we picked out the one two the Mormons that were available in the entire club. I met him <laughs> May 2008. Then I went to work at that camp, this summer camp, got up to some sinning. He was very disappointed in me, but he wanted to still bet on me that I would eventually be righteous enough to marry. Came home, had some repenting to do. I got home August 19th. We got engaged September 7th, married December 18th. So from May to December was our wow. entire knowing each other. I mean, that sounds pretty righteous. Yeah. It sounds like you received revelations about each other. I think the revelations, again, were mostly in my pants, but <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even get into gay stuff in our list. The, the, the time that I, I made out with a girl at camp while I was drunk. Okay. So I was yeah, very off the deep end of being Mormon. List. I didn't know where I should put anything gay on our list. I got in. I got uh, enchanted by a seductress into the woods to make out with her while I was drunk when I was still technically a believing Mormon. So that's a really not Mormon thing to do. But I was very <laughs> aware of how not Mormon it was. And I was like, I'll repent later. And, but I didn't enjoy it. No, yeah. <laughs> that's what counts. I didn't enjoy it. How do you know, though? I mean, if you were intoxicated, maybe you were repressing. I still any know consent. <laughs> you, fun fact, even if you're intoxicated, you still are like, mm, I didn't consent to this situation. Fair. Do you want to talk about that more? Do you want to be my therapist? <laughs> you are more righteous because I had several serious to semi-serious boyfriends before I served a mission. And then when I got back, I married my husband so so you get the point i don't but also you were taking it more seriously you probably had your shit together and your pigtails were <laughs> oh my god tight i think we've already discussed this enough to know that you got the point okay just again people were not barking up the tree so i'm not like i had a lot of options and you we are two for two once again you have two points two righteousness points i have one right two righteousness points 
The last question is, how many times did you read the Book of Mormon, we'll mm. say, before you turned 18? Are we this, counting this all the way through? This is cover to cover. Oh, that one's tough. And I know we might have to kind of, you know, piece together. That's a lot to remember. I would say like mm, we say one, one and a half for me. Okay. I would say it's probably three or four for me. For those five, I win. It says to find a shot glass. I actually and have some vodka. I actually have, um, I don't have a shot glass, but I do have this cough syrup oh, glass for nice. you. That's... Okay, you can have my shot glass. Yeah, should we share a shot? This actually used to be a quit Mormon shot glass until it got rubbed off. So whatever that means. Use, use a manufactured metaphor. Manufactured in a place that didn't have very high quality uh, manufacturing standards. Mm. I am taking the shot, which is going to possess me with the spirit of the devil. And if I murder you then at least we know it wasn't because I wanted to. It was because we invited the devil here. This is going to get great views. <laughs> I'm excited for what comes. Exciting. Yes. Hoping Let for that. Know what the afterlife is like. We're also weakling. <laughs> Does everyone take a chaser or is that? I don't even know. I'm not expert enough to know. I prefer having one just because like, why not? I love a little lime juice. Yeah. Sorry, I'm not uh, a have good you host. ever done pickle shots? No. And you chase it with a shot of pickle juice. That sounds great. That's, that's my favorite. Okay. Ooh. Delicious five husbands that's vodka. What it, that's what it's like to have five husbands, I guess. <laughs> that's a good joke. <laughs> it's not if they're Matt Easton like that. Um, all right. Did you, this is number 11. We're halfway through. Did you masturbate as a kid? What else would I be doing? <laughs> Kids have a lot of free time. <laughs> I didn't do much besides that, to be honest. Big masturbator. Big old into that scene. Really. <laughs> I knew all the of the ways theme. and things. Really had a fun time there. Okay. Uh, so uh, the answer for me is no. All it's right. A big no. Sorry. And the, again, the, um, the game should really be over. Because... <laughs> Oh, the difference of scale. You get like, I get 5,000 righteousness points and you get negative 5 million. Yeah, that's about, I can't, I don't want to go into a lot of stories, but truth be told. Do you have, was, do you, would you like to share stories or, or should we just leave it at that? I mean, it's funny being a content creator in the ways that I am now where it's like, let's talk about Mormon history. I want to talk about this aspect of the history. But like part of my personal history is to talk about how like I had a really rough childhood. It really awoken me to what my body could do. And when I hit puberty um, in fifth grade, I was really had an intense relationship with um, the just different faucets of my bathroom shower. So uh, really was aware of that. And I think that also really helped me not break any like rules of chastity getting married because so I felt I, like I, I had a under control I felt like I had a, a a deal with God where he understood in, in terms of this carrot there's no free will do what you got to do <laughs> just don't do anything that'll rock you off the deep end 
find your righteous priesthood holder. Just you rock can... in another direction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I felt like that was my my gift throughout my teenage years that I really knew how the knowledge of masturbation. Yeah. And I was like not I didn't Did ever, you ever tell a bishop? No, never. Okay. I was like they asked Just me. Just because you knew not to say anything. Like yeah. you were like I don't want to talk about that. Yeah, it was between me and God and whatever I named the faucets in my bathroom and the different toys I stole out of my mom's drawer. Like it was a it was a really it was diverse. (laughs) A lot of different nationality. It's not fair because men are just like, this goes in my hand and it's done. So I think it takes some time for girls to figure out how those things work sometimes. You know, men are really lucky in that way. They get their own exterior so easy. It's all easy to see it's like god made women to be like i can't even i can't even i have to learn gymnastics if i want to figure out to like clean and dishwasher safe different (laughs) things so Alyssa was definitely more righteous on that one but um i still think regardless i had such a tight relationship with god in ways you didn't that he was like Double thumbs up. I received Kara. an impression that I can masturbate. Is that what you felt like? I received that multiple times a day. Yeah. It's not a question in my mind. Maybe that does show you the most righteous because God never loved me like that. Mm-hmm. Well, something to think about. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number 12. Uh, how often, and this is the to me, one of the most righteousness markers. Like this is a high righteousness. Is okay. How often did you attend the temple after you got your endowment? Mm-hmm. Sparsely. Why? Um, I thought that it was all of the things that I didn't like. But you said you didn't mind covenanting to your husband. Well, for one, it seems incongruent with our previous I wasn't just like excited to wake up every morning to be like, can I go do that again? I had a lot of bad temple experiences. I mean, the temple is pretty boring, too. That's yeah. that was my biggest reason for not wanting to go is like the endowment takes a long time. It's like three hours. I don't know if it's shorter yeah. now. It's like that's like the longest movie of your life is sitting through the endowment. And it's the same every time. So it's not even like you're getting further light and knowledge. You're just sitting through the same ceremony. And so that's a drag. Because I love to do baptisms before I got married. That's a fun thing to do with your like high school friends, Youth college group. friends. Yeah. yeah like what do you want to do today? Get like, dunked. let's go to the temple and go do baptisms. It actually was like kind of like a free fun activity. Yeah, I would do that a lot of BYU as a, as a hobby. Yeah. And like me and my best friend in high school, whenever we were hanging out and get some food, we would go park in front of the Provo temple and just sit in front of the temple. So like my heart was in the right place up until I went through the endowment. So then once it's like, you know, baptisms, you can't do that anymore. If you're going to go to the temple, you don't just sit there to look at it. You need to go do this into the temple. Yeah. In the heart of Sauron. Yeah. And I, my husband and I kind of didn't go a whole lot. We probably went like three times a year. Oh, like damn. The t- I was Mormon for like 11 years of my adulthood and we probably went like three times a year. So wait, how long were you married? I got married at 19 and then I left, left. at like 30. So you would only go three times a year? Yeah. Wow. But Alyssa was a temple worker, so you... Maybe I added this to the list because I knew it would bump up my score. We would... I. So my husband didn't like the temple very much either, which is funny. I mean, he was, you know, he was return missionary. um, But I would like... Once we got married, I'd be like, Jackson, 
we should go to the temple. And he'd be like, we could always stay home. And be like, that's not the right thing to say, though. You're supposed to say, yes, wife. I was thinking the same thing. I was actually always hoping he'd be the one that would be like, I got an impression today we should go to the temple. Yeah, there's but a lot of conditioning that to be like, should my husband should be leading us better. Why should I even <laughs> I say, I'm not going to the temple until you suggest it. There, now I don't have to go. <laughs> I'd also, I'd always be hoping that he'd be bringing up that we should be saying couple prayer together and couple Book of Mormon reading. I'm, I'd just bring up a lot of things about how much anger I had at my husband for not leading our home with the priesthood power. Yeah, more. I was leading the priesthood with my femininity because i was the one always bringing these things up and he he'd always say yes or he'd he'd say maybe like oh yeah maybe we could do that next weekend and then the next week one would come and no suggestions would have arisen from his corner so i'd be like do you remember when you said after i said we should go to the temple so yeah um but what we did do a lot was Instead of doing endowment sessions, when we did go, we always did ceilings because that was just, you go straight there, you get to look at each other, you get to be in the patriarchal grip across from each other. I didn't like how much it made my back hurt because you do have to kneel for like a half an hour and I would be in screaming pain and then the old people would come in and they get a chair to sit in. And I'm like, (laughs) okay, if it's not necessary to kneel, may I have a chair as well? And that would be a preference. I never did washing and anointings, but you said that you signed up to do... Yeah, so when I was a temple worker, I would either do, I would be um, a veil worker or I would do washing and anointings. So those are my two options. But that also, I was a temple worker before I got married. Because once I got married, I moved out of my stake and out of the temple boundary. So I wasn't able to do temple work anymore. I was going to say, if we needed a tiebreaker, we should do who can... uh say the script from the temple but you would definitely be able to get that i wish i could still remember it but i i it's so many words especially even the washing and anointing that prayer is really long so i i don't have it memorized anymore, oh, but i was hoping that that's where this <laughs> podcast was going that i'd be washed, washed and anointed by I'd now. happily gesture to your loins if you have can a we, shield and we use this uh the the, the little white this uh, is how we cover arm. ourselves instead of uh you know the fig leaf apron we fashion a coat out of skins with the this is actually from south africa i win for sure we so when we were married we'd go about once a month so 12 times a year congratulations thank you it was a big eve being it's true and having been true and faithful faithful now desires to to converse with with the lord Lord through the veil veil. let her enter Unto him, strengthen the lives and his power be upon thee and upon my posterity throughout all time and throughout. Yeah, I'm halfway there. Okay, <clears throat> we're taking a we're we're turning away from the temple to talk about seminary. Um, I win, I win. You, no one can beat me on this. <laughs> I love seminary. Ask and your question. Early morning. Okay, so the question is. Did you sleep slash not pay attention slash zone out during seminary? No, I hate most subjects of school, everything. Because when you're really Mormon and you're like, this is the most important subject in the entire world. So of course not, not at all. And I actually took, uh, I lived in Provo, Utah, where they have, you know, release time periods throughout the day. My senior year of high school, instead of like taking off the first period, like a lot of seniors do. 
I signed up for 6.30 early morning seminary because there's an extra class for people who took a lot of electives. So I went on purpose instead of going to school at 7.30 in the morning, I had a zero period and I went and I memorized all of the scripture mastery, raised my hand because it was like, it's like the most important subject in the world. And I wanted to be really good and know everything. And I harshly judged anybody who, you know, I hated those kids who would like there's a kid who once I saw like flip open the book of Mormon to like some random chapter. We weren't even in the book of Mormon that year. We were in the new Testament, you guys. Oh and he flips it open and just to put his head down on it. Like as if that makes oh, a difference. Like the scriptures are a pillow. Yeah. And I'm like, this the is the most important thing in the world. That boy. Wow. So I love seminary. I'm shocked by your love of seminary considering your lack of love for the endowment ceremony. <laughs> Night and day. Cause that's the whole thing about Mormonism that we've talked about. And like, you've talked about in your Mormon stories interview that like, it's important to talk about the temple because most people don't know that's what Mormonism is Yeah, to like teenagers. They don't recognize that endowment ceremony as being part of There's Mormonism. There's so many kids, especially because TikTok has such a young audience. So I have so many TikTok youth who you can tell from by their profile picture. They've likely not been through the temple. You know, it's always someone that looks like they're 15 or 18 or whatever. And they'll say, well, why are you spreading these lies? These are lies. And you're like, oh, you sweet summer child. That's one of my hit me back first in a few years. That's one of the first things I remember being from being on TikTok maybe three years ago is how I never, you know, show the temple clothes or anything like that on my TikTok, but so many people would be making videos about that, responding to teenagers and stuff. And I made a video a couple of weeks ago that did pretty well on the internet. You know, it's not like Alyssa Grenfell <laughs> type numbers or anything. <laughs> but I started the video by saying like the number one thing that from being on this app that I can tell it absolutely cracks the most Mormons, especially kids who are about to serve a mission or go through the temple is when they come face to face with what an actual temple ceremony looks like. And they say, that's not my church. Cause that's what I would have said. Yeah. Like you're, that's yeah. not my church. That's not recognizable. So to your question about seminary, seminary is fun. You get to like have interaction and raise your hand yeah. and yeah, share that's opinions. Super, that's and, super fair. and I love scripture mastery, Genesis 39, nine. You want me to recite it right now? Go for it. Any I have point. no idea what that scripture is. <laughs> Genesis 39 9. There's none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee. But because thou art his wife, how then can I do such wickedness and sin against God? That's about Joseph. That's and a total Potiphar's wife. Jumbo jumbo. I have no idea. Did I did I ramble so, too fast through that? No, I, I caught it. It's just I think that since entering the ex-Mormon space, scripture becomes entire it's the it's the wah, 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 wah. Yeah, what, Charlie the, Brown. Yeah, it's the Charlie Brown voice. Scooby Doo Charlie Brown. <laughs> well, if you want me to sing it, it actually comes in song form. There's none greater in this house than I. Neither had they kept back anything. This is a real song I learned. Then thee. Because they always because said it's a song. Art is wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it has, the lesson is basically, if you're working in someone's house, it's not nice to bone their wife, even if they want to. <laughs> I think that's the message I got across. It's a weird scripture mastery of all the things to pick. Yeah. Don't bone the wife of your employer. Employee. Because you might lose your job. I mean, yeah. that's just about economics. Yeah. It's actually really well advice. <laughs> a lot of scriptures, you can't really take that into the real world, yeah. but don't bone your employer's wife is that's really hard hitting scripture right there. And that's why I work for myself. I can't. <laughs> I can't. Do you ever have uh, in your videos, people tag Dan McClellan 
No. Oh, I always have people tagging Dan McClellan. So I'm picturing you <laughs> quoting the scripture <laughs> and people in the comments at Dan McClellan. At <laughs> I'm like singing the song Did and he's like, <laughs> he's like, let's see it. And he's like, well, yeah. it's not actually about the economics of not phoning your employer's wife. Uh, <sighs> I hope she sees this and he stitches it. So I love seminary. What, what about you? I, you win. You're the righteous one. Um, I, I think I always viewed seminary as the entry point to being able to get into BYU because they basically don't let you, they don't accept you to BYU if you haven't, uh, completed all four years of seminary. They probably do, but it's a real downgrade. So I viewed seminary. I, I like seminary. Okay. But, oh, I got so tired. I'm not a morning person. And my mom. Cause you did early morning. I did early morning seminary. And once we moved to Kentucky, my mom was my early morning seminary teacher. Wow. So um, we had a few kids from the ward would come to our house and I'd walk down the stairs and we'd do early morning seminary with my mom as the teacher. And I think I tried really, it was the same as the temple where I really wanted to love it. I wanted so badly, but I was so tired. And it was so boring. And I've never, I've never been. They didn't have the songs. I, I don't know what, where the songs were. Maybe my mom didn't have access to the CD-ROM on that one, but um it wasn't a cd i made that up you made it up. just kidding i couldn't make up that <laughs> if i tried but when i went to uvu sorry this is a bonus thing when i went to uvu i hated school so much i thought it was so pointless i was like just somebody marry me and pregnant me so i can get this party started you guys i'm sure you've heard of the mrs degree yeah that's what you were going for yeah so i was like i didn't want to go to BYU. also side note tangent too um, this is, as a surprise to no one, I also was not smart enough to get into BYU. I failed a lot of math classes and science classes, and you have to take like four years of math and science just to get in. And I was like, that's a pipe dream. <laughs> I was like, I am getting C minuses in this right now. Yeah. I was really just into learning about the gospel. I thought at one point I wanted to be a seminary teacher. So I took like four, uh, I took, let me start over. I took each semester that I was there, I was there for two semesters at UVU. I took a total of four institute classes and I took a total of two re- like actual classes at UVU. Okay. So. Sounds pretty righteous. But. But we're talking about seminary, which you were also more righteous on. So. All right. I went. Clarified that I was the one typing up this list and you were shooting off things to add. So this is one I already know the answer to. So I kind of made it so that I would win. It's did you serve a mission? No, I just served a mission for the cause of marriage. But you do have three kids. That's more righteous than me. Yeah. I should have. Okay. Should I edit the list to add? This number of kids is a big righteousness bonus, like indicator. Uh, yes. Okay. Very righteous. Okay. I'm going to add that later on down the line. I Just to, just to give, throw you a bone on that one. I multiplied and replenished <laughs> the earth a little bit better than you little bit more with exactness uh but you didn't serve a mission i did but i served a stateside mission which is not it's not that right i mean i was righteous did you learn a second language no i wasn't even spanish speaking Mm. english speaking in denver colorado and the craziest part is i my mission boundaries were the suburbs of denver colorado so i still have never been to the city of color like denver colorado i've never been into the city of denver I was on the outskirts of the suburbs of Denver. So super lame. 
I you didn't even get a mission. You didn't even get to be the main character in <laughs> your own, own mission. mission. No. Next. Okay. This is our. Okay. Let's do an accounting. Um, right now, uh, we are one, two, three. So I've already won the righteousness on this one. Uh, you've done a really good job with not creating, you know, a prison of sin that uh, the Satan, you know, he gets his ropes and, and chains around you and binds you down as your reward for that. Um, if you wanted to look into the hat, I think there might be something about applying prison tattoos. You might have gone down a completely different path and gotten those tattoos out of your own choices to to commit crimes. And that might be tattoos that you could actually physically get on your body. But let's see what the hat has to say. Let's see if it has anything that remotely in that genre. Okay. okay. I don't know. The prison tattoo I should get is that on my knuckles I should have a four-letter word. Oh. Should I see what the four-letter word is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it says fuck. <gasps> wow, she's going to get a tattoo of a swear word. The F-bomb. On your knuckles for the future, you know, fights that you have to get in or something. So that they know I'm going to fuck them up. Yeah. And right here I have some prison tattoos that I found just in case. But you can redeem yourself with a cross, which is now actually pretty much sanctioned by the Mormon church. You could get a cross. Which doesn't show that you are disobeying church. It actually shows that you're obeying the church now because they actually are like crosses. So we actually didn't. So I, there's five, and I already got three. So I already won, but we have to do number 15, which is Did you ever wear something immodest to a church dance or church event with the attempt or hope of attracting? No, because I was thinking opposite town. I'm like, Anyone who would be attracted to me wearing something that's like not church sanctioned, I don't even want to be with them. Yeah, but I did do a dance off once at a steak dance. Did you get low, get low, get low? And I actually got low. I had this famous move. It's funny. Sorry, I got to take a break from one sin <laughs> to the other. It's funny because now my signature dance move is a dip that I do enjoy doing on occasion. Okay. And my high school favorite move was actually way more scandalous than that. Play Fergalicious. That's a great song. So my high school dance move was this. <laughs> oh my God. I would do that and I won the dance competition with that. <laughs> This will YouTube will not like this. I have to cut that out. But <laughs> but of course we all know Fergalis just definition make those boys go loco. Uh okay, well I so I did wear something immodest to a church dance once in an effort to uh seduce a young man who I was interested in. But wow. I don't think it worked. Uh because he was not interested in me afterwards, probably because I proved myself to be too loose as a woman uh which means you win because uh you were chased and i was not see it's almost like you added that into lose but i didn't <laughs> add in any questions about like did you ever do like stripper moves to fergalicious <laughs> on the dance floor at steak dances i mean i guess it, i'm we could just say that 
we could change the category to be did you do you know did you ever choose anything that was sinful to do at a church dance which sinful being uh, dressing immodestly or uh, dancing immodestly i was more righteous you did a booty pop in the cultural hall and i once wore an immodest shirt but mine was sanctioned because i like won the dance competition okay yeah i guess during within a dance competition booty pops are okay i think sometimes Mm -hmm. even at mormon church dances yeah okay uh all right well then Alyssa is has zero righteousness points and kathy has one uh did you ever sneak coffee or tea growing up no, only one time my entire life, um, my dad was like a salesman and worked shows of like teachers conferences where they have coffee around. And I just thought it was like a thing, like a taboo thing, but not a bad thing. And I went and got a cup of coffee and I had a full cup of coffee and it wasn't sugared or like nothing was in it. And I was just like, Hey dad, and I was like, I got some coffee. And my dad was like, no. No, Kara, that's not even funny. Put that back. And I was like, <laughs> oops. <laughs> and I've never ever tried coffee. Dude, but did you sip that. it? Did you sip I think it? I sipped it and I remember it was okay. black and dark and disgusting. Yeah. Very good for a kid. yeah. And then I guess there's gross. one other time my sister who left the church who wasn't Mormon. I lived with her for a summer and she always got coffee from 7 Eleven and she had like a peaches and cream coffee every morning and i took a sip of it once and i remember it was so good and i remember thinking to myself i better never sip that again because i will get addicted to it (laughs) that's it all right your um your swear word tattoo is now complete and it's ready make sure you assemble the letters correctly english major (laughs) i don't know if i can spell that word correctly i just haven't had experience seeing it or saying (laughs) it or anything okay um so i never never had coffee or tea growing up that was a huge i would have never even joked about it because i would have uh we wouldn't we didn't even call our coffee table a coffee table we would call it the dining room table or no the the living room table Mm. coffee table so uh wait okay wait sorry continue so i think i win that one yeah what? Okay, one of my very favorite stories of growing up in Provo, Utah. My sixth grade graduation, we were singing, ironically enough, the song from Rent. It's like basically about all kinds of whoredoms and AIDS and all <laughs> kinds of things, but that wasn't the problem. Um, we sang the song, and in the part that goes, like, uh, how do you measure such and such? And it's like, in cups of coffee, we change it to cups of cocoa. And so then when I was old enough to really hear how that song, how that actually went, I was like, that's funny because we're all Mormon kids and with Mormon teachers anyway. What do we, I haven't planned anything for the the, the third finale. and final one. So I have to think and I get think, creative here. Um, do you want to commit a crime? <laughs> <laughs> Let's escalate this to crime committing. Thanks for the baby wipes. I've never put on real tattoos using baby wipes, but this is actually. Your C's backwards. You fool! <laughs> you English major! I counted on you. BYU taught you nothing. Did you follow the garment rules very carefully? And I'll explain. So that means wearing them like as much as possible. So that like during exercise, did you ever uh, change the garment? Like rolling up the garment so you could wear a shorter skirt or shorts? Did you roll it a little bit so you could wear a capped sleeve a little bit? Or choose your garments depending on the day so that you could get away with something because these garments are a little shorter than the ones 
absolutely not. And it's one of my biggest regrets in my life. <laughs> I wish that I would have been more lax with that, but nope. I wore them to exercise. I wore big, baggy, long, like men's. It's just, there's nothing. It's just, uh, did you, the frumpiness. did you hate yourself? That's uh, yeah. And I think that really we need to be asking. Yeah. Like I go exercise. Is gross. Yeah. Oh. It's very hot and Especially sweaty. If you're sweaty, like running in garments. Yeah. That's awful. you were way more athletic than me, I'm guessing. <laughs> but when I did work out and I like to play basketball, I'd wear like, you know, basketball shorts, which are, you know, long, but with like a t-shirt and you just, you don't feel very good about yourself, but I felt like I was doing what was right. So okay. you know, I always did. And like, I lived in California, I lived by the beach, I lived in Arizona so and sorry. I still always wore them. I never rolled them up. What, uh, I just live this with is it. kind of a side question that I'm curious about. When did you, so I know you obviously lost your testimony. When in the losing your testimony phase, did you decide today I'm stopping? Like today I will no longer wear garments from now on. It was February, 2019. I knew these dates. Down. I do because <laughs> I didn't know the church was like false. I didn't like read the information about what our ex-Mormons reasons for leaving the church. That mm-hmm. happened July 12th, 2019. Okay. But in February, I went on a little ski trip with my friend Lizzie, who I actually did a Mormon stories episode with, which was fun. And she was a little bit further on her journey than me. And I was just asking her a million questions about like, did and she was like drinking by then and then I was like wait are you wearing your garments and she's like oh no no and I was like oh yeah I was like that's one thing I think I want to test out how do I feel when I don't wear my garments because I was really serious about wearing them yeah, really so. thinking they were a type of protection and I even asked her after the ski trip I was like like where did you buy them from she's like anywhere and like, I was like buy your new underwear from yeah I like so really funny. where does one go to buy underwear I was not- like is there like a certain brand or something from that because the one thing I love about garments is I love my thighs not touching. That love really nice. that. So I'm still on that. Yeah. So I've n- I've never worn like bikini underwear to this date. Hot take information. It's actually not that hot. It- it's it's like <laughs> colored garments basically. I do feel like though that's a s- interesting um aspect of leaving the church, especially as a woman, because there are so many different cuts of underwear. So it's very, you really have to figure out, okay, I was used to having my underwear go to my knees. So if my underwear is, you know, it could be a thong, it could be like grandma underwear, it could be somewhere in between, how much of your cheek is showing, it could be the MeUndies, like boy shorts, briefs. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of optionality. So I think- You uh, have to really experiment. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely went through that. I, I feel like well, the first time I started wearing normal underwear, though, I was very relieved. Because I really hated garments. I just, ugh. And you wore them so much longer than me. 11 years. 11 years. That's so long. How long did you wear garments for? Um, Only, I guess, so my mission and then three, three and a half years. That's nothing. It's still a long time. I mean, years it's is a long blank. time. Com- by comparison... I wore garments for 11 years. People don't know how Mormon I was. I, I mean, was pretty Mormon that I am neck so and neck. I do think we need the to author have... of how to leave Mormonism, the expert on Mormonism, you could say in some ways. So we're neck and neck. I was pretty Mormon if we are so close here. Yeah, I think in years spent, you win hands down, obviously. Oh, I would definitely, um, if I had an outfit that needed 
a certain um you know the mesh garments would ride up a little bit more yeah or like uh the sleeve would fold over a bit so i i never really liked my garments that much and so i would kind of skirt around some of the rules i never would just not wear them but i would say if i'm wearing them that's enough even if i'm not wearing them perfectly so and i would definitely not wear them to exercise oh Mm. sorry i really sacrificed condolences yeah I believed in the church and the blessings that garments gave me, even if I just like gave up in a way as you do sometimes where you're just like, and I'm married now and I wear clothes that I don't feel pretty or sexy or happy in whatsoever. And you just mm-hmm. live with it. Um, but this question is, did you pay on the gross or net tithing? So did you pay pre-tax or post-tax tithing uh, to the church? So before I was married, I didn't know anything about taxes. I'm sure the IRS has still got problems with me. (laughs) I didn't know how money worked. And I just, whatever paycheck I got, what money I had from that paycheck, I was really strict with um, paying my tithing on whatever my paycheck was. Okay. And I still, you can even ask me right now what that was. I don't know. It It takes out social security. And I didn't, I don't know what the end of the year, whatever my forms were. So I took it out of my paycheck before I got married. And then okay. after I got married, my husband was like much more strict with only paying like the right amount, but the least amount. Okay. Which is the smartest amount. Because- mm-hmm. I mean, the smartest amount is no money, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. My mom always taught us to pay on the gross instead of the net. So pre-tax, um, which really became like a, to me growing up a, a, a proof of how righteous I was, which is why it was so important to me because I feel like my mom drilled it into us so much. And she basically taught it to us as uh, the the government doesn't pay tithing. So if you pay, you know, if you pay the government first, you're paying the government before you're paying the Lord. And so you're showing that you love the government more than you love the Lord. That literally logically doesn't stand <laughs> out though. Cause it's not on your increase of how much, cause the law of tithing should was originally supposed to be like on what your increase is. That's true. Your personal increase. And you're not being increased by that money. Did you pay tithing on gift money? No, because if the person, <laughs> that's actually a funny question. People don't realize that because if the person was Mormon who was giving me the money, they also already tithed. They already money. tithed on that money. So would you tie the money that was given to you by a non-member? Yes. Oh wow! Like I would have the bosses. <laughs> I would have bosses who would give me Christmas bonuses, and that one sucked because it'd be like you know a couple hundred bucks, but I would tithe on that money so I could okay. like sanctify it, right? Wow. I would always tithe on everything, tithing money or gift money, you know, I, everything got tithed. Did you put in the question about if we ever. Missionaries would tithe on their missionary fund money. No. And I was one of them. So, but the thing is, it goes onto a card. So you don't, this is not cash. You're getting like a prepaid card. So what I would do is I would get my missionary money on my prepaid card. I think it, for me, it was like a hundred dollars a month, 110, which is not enough to live on for a whole month. And then I would go to my personal account, my personal checking account, and I would take the 10 or whatever month. I would tithe on my mission money from my Mm-mm. personal account. <laughs> they have no money to live on already. I know, it is stretched I know. outrageously thin. 
That's so horrible. Yeah, I was like, I was a hyper tither. I was so into tithing. And I really viewed it as the, just such a, like, I would skirt the rules on garments, but I would never skirt the rules on tithing. So. Oh, yeah. Because uh, okay. it kind of felt like an easy one to me. Because I was a nanny and mm -hmm. I, I looked at it as like insurance from God because I was thankfully nothing bad ever happened. I was a career nanny for eight years and I'm so grateful that nothing bad ever happened. No kids ever got like hurt or injured. And I literally viewed my tithing money as like the insurance that we would all be safe. So you're welcome, parents, <laughs> for Damn. Mormon God protecting your kids <laughs> when I did all I could. Yeah, tithing is, I just feel like such a messed up. I, especially now that it's so clear that the church has so much money and how many times growing up that was like, we can't spend money on that or members need to bring their own food or like members need to ch clean the church building. I can't believe that they have so much money. It's totally wild. Uh, okay. How did your family observe that? We have two questions left. How did your family observe the Sabbath? Um, I'm grateful to say that we weren't one of those families that had to keep our church clothes on. Those families were weird, <laughs> but definitely always went to church Sundays, no eating out. And did you go to church on vacation? Yes. Did you go absolutely. to all three hours on vacation? A lot of times. Yes. And okay. the reason mostly is that my dad is a very like talkative extrovert guy okay. and he just wants to it wasn't go necessarily about the righteousness yeah it was because my dad just wants to go talk to new people in a new place okay fair enough so did you go out to eat on sunday never um, unless it was like rare occasions on vacation like but it was really structured um when we went on vacation to like yeah, we'd find the chapel building shopping the day before for sure to make sure we have food on the day of yeah. So what about when you were married, though? Did you ever break the well, Sabbath? So my husband was, as I've said, like, so, like had very lax rules around a lot of things. So he would always say the ox is in the mire. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and say, we should just go out to eat. So when we first got married, I would say, no, I don't want to go out to eat. I, was, I would keep my, my originally, you know, my family I was born into standard. And then uh, we would occasionally go out to eat if it, we just didn't really have any food at home. But then as soon as we left the church, I was like, breakfast, lunch, and dinner on Sunday. Let's eat out. Because it was like almost like a fun badge wow. honor to be like, we're going to eat out all the time on Sunday. It kind of feels like when you're skipping school in high school or something. And you're like, so this is what everyone's doing at like <laughs> 2.15 on a Wednesday. It's like, so this is what Sunday's out in this city you're like and you're like this is great they really call it a second saturday for a reason like oh, it's a whole nice. extra day because sundays are really stressful for a lot of reasons with church and callings and stuff but they're also really stressful to make sure that you have enough gas in your car and yeah. that you have all the food that you need and then if you have something that's coming up that week that you just that you day have to do it saturday instead of sunday yeah, yeah it's like a waste of a day sometimes I, when i was working full-time as a teacher and then I had Sunday. It means that of your seven days, you only have one true day off. And I would, I would hate Sundays because it was like, you have a job, you know, you already have a full-time job, but then you also still have another job on top of your job where you're calling at church. Mm -hmm. I hated Sundays when I was working full-time because really Saturday is the only day you get to enjoy. It sucked. Exactly. And 
I know when I was Mormon, I really tried to lean into like, it's a family day. It's a day for scripture study and stuff. But like, realistically, I don't think anyone really uses it for what the church tells us to use it for, for like all of that stuff. Cause I was like, no, we're literally exhausted. We want to watch TV. We want to just be left alone. Everybody. I feel like it's funny when Mormons talk about how much they love their Sunday naps, because I'm like, the reason you love your Sunday nap is because you're so exhausted. And that's, it's like the, what's the best part of Sunday? The nap. It's like, I wonder why it's not. Not church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the nap because everybody's so tired and they're like, I need to escape from the Sunday by napping for three hours long. Yeah. I'm like, it's it's nice to set aside a certain day to spend time with your family and like family evening kind of stuff. I wish I did that more. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, it just feels like way too restrictive. And again, like you feel like you're going to be blessed or not blessed on how you show up oh, on Sundays and stuff. I'm like, when you take that kind of autonomy of how you spend your time and your weeks back into your own hands and spend time with your family in the ways that you want to because like it shouldn't be a sign of righteousness or unrighteousness on what even your activities you are doing on Sunday with your family are like I know a family that like went um four-wheeling on the Sabbath and it was it was a hot goss around the ward you know (laughs) yeah isn't that I, I kind of forget sometimes about some of the weird intricacies of Mormonism like the idea of like going to a sporting event on a Sunday is wrong or doing an activity that's too raucous like four-wheeling like what is wrong with four-wheeling but and yet that is so unholy to do on a Sunday um or even traveling on Sunday we try to avoid driving too long in the car on Sunday and none of these things are really explicitly laid out it's just inferred that since it's a day of the Lord you're supposed to be as righteous as possible yeah and that camp that I mentioned that I worked at the very first Sunday that I was there before the kids arrived all the counselors took their day off on us on the first Sunday. Everyone had a day off during like training and they all went to Six Flags. Mm-hmm. And I said, will anyone drive me into town and take me to church? And I did. And I was like, that's how I show my righteousness that I'm actually not going to go to Six Flags. I'm going to still go to church. But so it was a sign from God <laughs> because I got driven to all the way to church and it was the one day that it was actually state conference and no one was at the church. <gasps> so I had to sit Slap in the, the car. From God. Yeah. And then I, that's why the sinning started because I was like, that's what God wanted. He's, he wasn't there for me when I went to the church. So anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of hated Sundays growing up. Um, but it sounds like our families had fairly similar rules. Uh, could you watch TV at all? For I mean, sure. I was not allowed to watch TV. I could only watch church approved movies, like, um, stuff produced by the church, like the first vision or, you know, you know, they have their whole little production company. So I could watch those. All right. You're more righteous. You win okay, that one. Okay. Okay. Number 20. Last one. How many kids did you have? Oh, I had born three <laughs> children. To my faithful husband, Aaron, that was married to me in the temple. Three cherubims. And all three were born in the covenant, right? I guess two of the three were born in the covenant. Yeah. Callahan was... And did you baptize your first? No way. No way. That was actually really part of the whole breakdown is my husband was doubting the church earlier than I was. Uh And I think, I don't know how old my oldest daughter would have been, maybe like five okay and you were approaching baptismal age yeah and when he started being serious about his doubts i remember this is where our our bed used to be right here i was sitting exactly right here in this room and i remember bawling and he i was like well are you gonna baptize her like what are we and he's like 
no, like, I don't even, I don't even know if I want to get her baptized. And I was like the, the, all of this breakdown of like my whole world came crashing down in that moment. Cause you marry this righteous priest holder in the temple. He leads your family and like, things are not perfect and that stuff. But like, wait a second, my kids have to get baptized by their father. No. And that's, I think where I kind of took like his concern seriously and like my concern seriously, because I can't get my daughter baptized by somebody who's not her dad. And I had to really think through all of that. So no. Dang. I can't believe you have to face that. I cried so hard. I bawled. I was so sad. Add up the final tally of points. Oh, because I only had two kids. Oh, yeah. We forgot. Okay. Wait. Yeah. Say that again. So we were a 3v2. I have two boys and you have two girls, one boy. Mm-hmm. So I'm less righteous. And none of my kids were um, born in the covenant. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. I guess I still had my name on the records for my first, but I had to remove removed by the second. So I was further out by the time I had the kids. So well, I was Mormon for much longer. Apparently, I obeyed the word of wisdom by not eating meat for a solid <laughs> yeah. eleven years. True. I True. wore the garments very faithfully every day, and um. Tried my absolute best to only watch the sex scenes of R-rated movies and not the entire movie. Just that's the only scenes that I watched. Well, would you like to hear a final tally? Drum roll. Is Kara has nine righteousness points and also has eleven <gasps> righteousness points, but also Kara was in the church for eleven years. So, but I served a mission. Uh, I don't I don't know if this you're, you're actually really righteous because I couldn't have served a mission when I was listening to Mormon <laughs> stories. There's so many things where I was like, I would have went home. I would just be like, when you're talking about like living with a hoarder in your episode and living yeah. with a couple fighting and stuff, I'd be like, I don't believe that I should be here anymore and I would go home. So I would have left the mission if I were you, even if I was the most Mormon in the world, I would have left. So you stuck it out. I, I think I think it's a coin toss. I think we should both look in the hat and ask mm. the hat what we should do to make ourselves okay. as evil as possible because I think we both are still filled with too much rice. Oh, I have a, I have one, and it's for the surprise one. I don't think it's okay. going to be fun for either of us. Is it going to be that we're going to eat pizza? Um, final one final shot, but it's going to be a big one, and it's going to be not fun for either of us. It's going to burn going down, just like sin does. It's going to be the entire hat. Glug, glug, okay, glug. glug out of the hat. <laughs> okay. I don't even think we have enough vodka to glug out of the hat. Oh, I have a whole case <laughs> of five husbands vodka. No. So inside my Nuanto brand mug that you can get from the merch store doing a plug kids watch out <laughs> you can also pick up one of these mugs or t-shirts links below um this is actually vodka right it's not yeah water. it is it is actually vodka I, I i witnessed it myself i will be one of the witnesses thank you so you. cheers cheers here's to being mormon and righteous and who can ever make absolutely no faces because we're just strong badass women I'm definitely gonna make a face no, i'm not Oh, it went to my nose. You made a face. I couldn't help it. The gas is released into your nostrils and in your eyeballs. (laughs) I hate it. (laughs) It's just the worst. I take it all back. I I want to be more. Literally, I have a tweet that says that where I was like, one tequila shot. And I'm like, Mormonism again, please. (laughs)
Well, I'm thoroughly disappointed in Mormonism. I'm thoroughly disappointed in what Mormonism gives us. I don't like either sides of it, Alyssa. What do you do with me now? Take me off the planet. My suggestion at this point, if you're feeling this way, if you're feeling lost and alone, is to buy my book. <gasps> this one? How to Leave the Mormon Church. Because it will teach you how to drink responsibly and not take shots. Uh, very with quick concession i'm gonna need a second (laughs) (laughs) if you've recently left the church and you're you have questions like uh should i leave the church or not now that i've lost my testimony how do i tell my friends and family what new beliefs or frameworks are worth investigating how can i protect my mental health during the transition if these are the types of questions you have and if you were raised in a hyper-religious family, like Kara or I, I do suggest you give my book a try because it might help you be able to, like us, laugh and joke about things that once felt sacred and secret um, and move on past Mormonism, past ex-Mormonism, and on to a brilliant and beautiful new life that's ahead of you. I think that that is actually the book itself is already fantastic, but the endorsement of this activity that we've done (laughs) together today could not spell it out better that you can leave the Mormon church and not have to have so much just sadness and trauma. It's not all doom and gloom. It can be, it can be fun. It can be funny. It can be silly to look back on all these crazy things your family used to do. I don't need that in my life anymore. I got my, if you see K tattoo and <laughs> uh, everything is everything is going to be really good. And we are sending you a virtual hug through the computer uh, if you're going through a faith transition right now because it's very difficult and you deserve a hug and we're proud of you. I think that I'm really proud of anyone who also got an F-U-C-K tattoo and <laughs> did the shots with us because... I hope that someone was following along and taking their own notes. And mm-hmm. I hope there's someone out there that beats both of us mm-hmm. and was even more Mormon. Actually, I don't wish that for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I hope if you're more Mormon than both of us right now, that you are just as happy and elated Put to be out of the down church. And go get therapy. <laughs> well, Alyssa, what a fun evening we've had together. We've been through some highs <laughs> of highs, some lows lows i learned so much about you this is if you didn't know this is my first time meeting kara it's her first time meeting me so we learned a lot about each other tonight i binged all of Alyssa's <laughs> content from mormon stories the last couple of days so marty she came to my house and i said hello friend get in here i've already learned your entire life story let's sit down pour the drinks continue so what a fun evening we've had yeah. um please go and pick up Alyssa's book from amazon and other book retailers wherever books are selling it (laughs) and leave a positive amazon review please give me five stars but only an honest review i would like an honest review but if you see a active member review bombing my book please at least report it because it really makes me depressed to work for a book or to work on a book for two years only to see a one-star review from an active member who for sure has never read the book, but is just angry that it exists and is using that one star button to uh, voice their little opinion. So, yeah, 
kick them to the curb. They didn't even read it or leave the church. They haven't done any of the hard work. Yeah. They just have strong opinions. Get out of here. It's exactly how I feel about the hard work that we put into this video by talking about our experiences and getting a little bit tipsy while doing it. A lot of hard work went into this <laughs> podcast. So leave only the best comments in the comment section. Yeah, and if you see in the comment section, similarly, an active member saying, this is very disrespectful. I hope you find their home address and send them an angry package full of this book excrements <laughs> or this book. That Send them nice. an angry package full of this book. That's, not, that's the only way to do it. <laughs> All right, Alyssa, any other final words? And where can um, people find you? Follow me on TikTok or YouTube. Those are the main places I'm hanging out these days. And uh, of course, I think if you don't, if you've left the church and you feel like it's mostly in your past, I do think the book could still be helpful for you. Part two is all about a much longer term uh, version of leaving behind the church. And if not, buy it so that someday when your mom or dad or sibling or close friend or all of the many people who are invariably still Mormon in your life can uh, can someday hopefully get get it as a sign of hope for your for your friends who are still in the church. You're a very articulate person, very thoughtful researcher. And um, I've only been able to kind of skim the book, but from listening to the Mormon Stories episodes yesterday and John DeLynn wrote the foreword and Margie read it and they just had so many good endorsements of the book. So I'm excited to read it. And as somebody who's been out of the church for four years, I I can already tell that I will get a lot out of reading it and, and not just the references to how to order coffee, which <laughs> I have yet to actually be able to perfected in it's just better to be on the safe side of just doing the thing called buying Alyssa's book <laughs> instead of not doing it. Be on the it. safe side. Choose the safe thing in your life. This is like putting your seatbelt on yeah. instead of just driving without a seatbelt. How much fun it is to take your life back, be able to do things, be able to make mistakes, learn from them, grow, try to love people better and how fun it is to kind of look back at the things that you put up with in your life and then say, oh, I see the conditioning of the reasons why I was trying to please other people <laughs> and do those things and what I was trying to get from God and what it's like to be able to do things that, you know, are silly, are fun, and you might make mistakes along the way, but that's part of the learning and the growing of the journey. So like I always like to say, don't let somebody else ruin your life. You ruin it for you <laughs> first. You ruin it for you. Let that, it be your ruining. Yeah. Very true. And thank you for having me on, Kara. I I'm really so happy. And I have loved getting to know you. And thank you for letting me share my book with your audience. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I hope that if you ever come back to Utah or ever write another book, we can have more updates. So everybody out there, please follow Alyssa. Please make sure that you are subscribed to her YouTube channel and TikTok. Links will be down below. Um, course you're subscribed to this channel i have a lot of fun diverse content coming out this is on the sillier side we could have just <laughs> talked about all the stuff in the book but you should check out the mormon stories that i'll link below where Alyssa talks about all that kind of stuff as well but i have so much fun content coming out uh it started my nonprofit to try to community build in the space and i've 
love the support. Thank you to all of the donors who have helped make this content sustainable and possible for me to make. I have lots of therapists and historians coming on throughout the year. Uh, faith crises are not easy and it just is so fantastic that I get to be able to do this for a living and try to create this community. So please be kind and nice in the comment section and I will see you all on the next episode of the Mormon History Hoedown, always available on Spotify, wherever you get your podcast and on my patreon.com slash nuance. All right. Thanks, Alyssa. Bye. Love you so much, guys.